0: Oh, welcome in. Lovely Wednesday, January the 3rd. The Chris Alberta Experiment continues. Dave Rieger and Parker. How's it going back there, guys? It's going well. How are you doing? Oh, never better. You know, it's it's lovely. It's lovely to look out the window. It's lovely to have all these great bullet points in front of me. Had a good, lively show yesterday. Not quite as busy today. Hopefully we can get Michigan talking to us. Since we're going to talk gun control, we're going to talk about kind of this crazy gal at Harvard that just got booted and and, and Wolverine pricing, all kinds of fun stuff. A couple of guests too. Um, we'll have Marie on later. Dave, what do you think really quick about this Michigan ticket pricing thing for the national championship game? Am I crazy or is that just getting out of hand?
1: I think it is what it is. I mean, it's the national championship. It's like any other big game these days, you're going to be paying. What did I hear? 50 yard line seats, uh, $20,000 a ticket not including the fees. If you're going to buy them through like a, a, you know, an online site. So it's like the super bowl. It's, it's like any other big sporting event. It's the, you're going to pay big money to go to these, to see these games.
0: Okay. I mean, I think that that's crazy. I was on with guy this morning, early talking about the stock market wrapping up 2023 and, you know, what we should be doing financially going forward. And, As you know, I try and segregate these things, you know, hosting with you guys is different than, than advertising so on and so forth. But I got to tell you, I think not only is it wildly irresponsible, but it's borderline immoral to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on one seat to any football game. There is very few experiences in the world worth that kind of money and watching Michigan is not one of
1: them. So if so, so if one of your clients comes to you and says, I need to take out a lump sum of money. I'm going to the natty. We're going to watch Michigan. What are you telling them?
0: It depends on the lump sum of, First of all, they're never asking me for permission because I deal with adults. And the, my adults have a, <laughs> oftentimes a short, a, a sh- shared core value system. Okay. They wouldn't spend that kind of money. Anyway, most of them are relatively frugal, despite the fact that a lot of them have buckets and buckets of buckets of money. Right. But reality is good grief. There is so much you can do with ten to $15,000. And if you times, you're not going by yourself. We're right. going to go with buddy, with your spouse. So now right. you're going to spend $20,000, $30,000 plus plane tickets, plus hotels, plus food. That's nuts to me. Right. I mean, I get People are going to do it, but I think it's, it's, so
1: wild. I mean, so it's, it's either that or let's say we're going to go buy a, uh, a new Corvette or we're going to buy a new, uh, a sports car. Um, is that that in the same, is that in the same, is that in the same argument or the same, or I shouldn't say argument. Is that, is that in the same discussion or is it just, uh, you know, no, there's no way that I'm, I I get a, I'm at home. I've got a big screen TV. I've got food. I've got a bathroom available and uh, I can watch the game with, have a bunch of people over and have just as just a good time.
0: Look, man, I, in my living room, I have a very nice flat screen. In front of a very nice sofa that reclines with the push of a button i have a refrigerator right behind me i got all my kids making noise at all the wrong times which you know is is annoying but i've come to enjoy it just to agree right. that's right. my
2: experience
0: okay but listen there's there's big we have bigger fish to fry how do you what do you think about this Claudine gay gal who had this disastrous five-month career as the president of harvard she came under fire We're not putting an end or really speaking to the anti-Semitism and all the rallies on campus there at Harvard. And look, in in order to be fair, let's not single her out. There was a ton of these college campuses, especially on the high end in the Ivy League type environment, where they had no control at all. And it looked like the biggest double standard in the world, because, of course, if you held an anti-black or an anti-Hispanic or an anti-LGBTQAY++, whatever, rally at any of these places you would be immediately escorted off campus i mean they harvard has a record of going back into the social media accounts for students that had been accepted and rescinding their acceptance
1: you know this this whole thing it's 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 like a two-prong art story first you have all this anti-semitism that is just been exploded. I mean, the explosion of anti-Semitism. It's it's always been around, but it, I guess it hasn't been this in in the forefront of the news as it's been lately. Then you have this is Harvard, this is Harvard University, and it's not only Harvard that this this anti-Semitism stuff has happened. This has been other universities too. It's kind of it's kind of crazy.
0: What makes it worse though is that this gal now all these innumerable counts of plagiarism that have been found in her past. Clearly, was not quite the academic, or even maybe close to the academic, that she was thought to be. That makes her largely unfit for the job, since she's not holding herself to the standard that she's holding her students to, and it makes it more interesting that Obama fought so hard for her to get that spot as a Harvard grad. Yeah,
1: for, kind of an again, interesting story. I mean, you know, again, it's Harvard. It it's Harvard.
0: It won't matter. Everyone so. will forget in six months. If you still want to be the best doctor in the tallest tower at the biggest hospital or at a fancy pants attorney, and you can get into Harvard, you're probably going to go. No one will remember, but Tanya powers will come on a little bit and tell us about this gun control measures in 24. Now we're going to have uh, you and I purposely left a lot of open mic time today. So I want to get callers fired up about this. 800-859-0957. You got to hang on tight because we're not until about later in the hour, maybe 1248. We'll have time to start taking calls. All these gun control measures that went into effect Jan 1 of 24, and in Michigan, I think it's February 1st of 24, this is nothing new under the sun, but they are starting to tighten the belt, especially since we had our 39th math shooting in December, which is a new record in the U.S., and even some of the people kind of center-right are starting to come around to this saying, look, the high-capacity magazines, they have to go. There has to be a different level of background check. And there certainly we should allow for these red flag laws. You know how the red flag laws work, Dave?
1: Not exactly. Well, look, the
0: essence of it is it's filed under what's called an extreme risk um, probation or protection order, depending on which state you're in. The idea of which is that if a family member, for example, goes and files one of these. And they said, look, my son has been acting incredibly erratic. I found some violent stuff in his room. He's starting to talk crazy. My my spouse, my husband, my wife. A family can start it or a sheriff's department or a police officer who's given – This is where, you know, what the burden of proof is starts to become a little bit muddy. If you're given the indication that somebody might be a violence to themselves or to others, they can file this order. One of them lasts for 14 days. The longer term one can last six months to a year and they can go into that house and confiscate weapons. I'm not sure that besides the fact that there's a very vague version of what the burden of proof is, that this isn't a good idea. I think every parent of a child that was killed, for example, in Oxford, Michigan at the high school would have loved to have that kid's parents say, listen, this is going to be problematic or, you know, a student makes a report, the sheriff's department goes over to the house, takes all the weapons out. Maybe those kids are still alive. I hate when people call me a bleeding heart liberal and stuff like this. But I mean, look, if we want to talk about amendment, you know, the second amendment, And rights of gun ownership. I'm a gun owner. I got a bunch of them, including the quote-unquote assault rifle. We We can get into that, you know, in more depth later on. But the reality is there's not a lot of people firing muskets anymore. Right? That law was written with a feather. So is it an important part of the Constitution to be able to defend yourself? Yeah. But it's going to be interesting as we've kind of grown up in these times where we've seen a lot more violence are some of these laws really appropriate and probably overdue? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what the callers say. Again, 800 859 957 Um, look, we'll talk a little electoral college, and Evan Brown's gonna come on to talk not only about the gun laws, but we'll we'll have Marie come on with this story about all the people now in Michigan who are accused of fraud. Okay, and now they're gonna get sixteen hundred dollar check back checks back because of this class action lawsuit. That'll be really interesting too, because I got, a, I think, an interesting take on that one. A whole lot of people that uh, are going to be getting money back from Michigan in a big, whoops, we screwed up. Interesting stuff. Back with Tanya after a brief few minutes. Well, okay, as you've been following along with these stories, I've seen the anti-Semitism, a lot of the rallies uh, from young people. At some of the, the country's most notable campuses, Harvard, of course, is at the top of that list. We've seen a tremendous amount of TV coverage, and just yesterday now, the um notorious Claudine Gay has resigned as the school's president. She had a, a five-month run there as president, which is the shortest in history. And we're bringing in Tanya J. Powers, Fox News correspondent and WJR contributor. Tanya, thanks for joining the program. What can hey, you, you tell us about the story that we might not have already seen? It's It's got layers and layers, like an onion, as you might say.
3: Yeah, there's a lot to this one. Uh, As you mentioned, she uh, announced her resignation yesterday. Uh, This has really, you know, kind of picked up steam in the last several weeks. Uh, Of course, this all kind of got national attention last month um, when she, along with two other university presidents, testified before a House committee and um, the one of those other presidents was the University of Pennsylvania president, Elizabeth McGill. Uh, she is now the former president of the University of Pennsylvania. She testified last month, and all, th- all three of them, you know, uh, had been, there were several exchanges with some of the House members over uh, anti semitic comments on, made on campus, not by them, I, I'd like to point that out, uh, but their handling of it. is—that is, That is where the scrutiny really came in. And Following that testimony, McGill uh, stepped down about four days later uh, from her position. She said that she was going to relinquish her position as president, but she would be joining the faculty later on. Um, After that, there was a lot of uh, scrutiny about Claudine Gay. Uh, Dr. Gay is, of course, like I said, the president of Harvard. She initially had, you know, the board had decided to back her and give her support. There was also a lot of support from faculty and students for her uh, after that as well. There was an open letter that was released that was signed by hundreds of faculty and staff members uh, that put out their their support for her and wanted her to stay in that position. Um, Following that, when this one, that's when we first started hearing, um, you know, stuff about plagiarism. Uh, that she had been apparently responsible for at some point in the past. Uh, That kind of started online, you know, in uh, kind of like anonymous message boards and that kind of thing, and then really picked up a lot more steam when the Washington Free Beacon, which is a conservative online journal, uh, basically kind of launched a campaign campaign. Uh, against her in the past few weeks over the plagiarism uh, you know, content, that, that sort of thing. So that's sort of how we got to where we are now. The other president that testified in that hearing is the MIT president, uh, Sally Kornbluth. There have also been calls for her resignation as well. Um, matter of fact, one of the donors that um, was, kind of played a role in some of this, he's a Harvard alum, uh, Bill Ackman, who's a billionaire donor, uh, matter of fact, after uh, Dr. Gay said that she was going to resign yesterday, he took to what was formerly Twitter, now X, and basically kind of, you know, put Sally Cornbluth in, in the crosshairs there and said, okay, you know, you're kind of like, you're next. Uh, so that's, if you're keeping up with this story, that's where I would look forward to go next
4: yeah
0: tanya in the in the grand scheme of things as folks look at harvard as you know the the most notable name in many ways when you talk about oh you didn't go to harvard i mean harvard is known as one of the best universities in the modern world it's also been known in the last 20 plus years as a place of of fairly progressive liberalism especially when it comes to policy of admittance and a, a lot of the way that they deal with free speech it was ranked consistently as the worst in a lot of the free speech environments and some of those ranking systems may be slightly tilted you know biased in one side or the other but this is interesting when she goes ahead and resigns they're not calling for her um, resignation officially and she wasn't fired but now she'll join the faculty what is the truth behind that part she will become part of the staff now and stay on their payroll despite relinquishing the role as president
3: that seems to be exactly uh, what what we've what we've learned, that she will stay on as, as part of the faculty.
0: Okay, so what was called potentially a wake-up call to Harvard and a lot of the other very elite Ivy League-type schools, as this, this is not fair, you can't have this double standard, this is going to be a huge wake-up call to them, it may be just shrugged off as business as usual. I mean, I'm not trying to suppose that that is entirely their mindset, but they're not getting rid of her. They're just getting rid of her in that role, and she kind of went out with an odd bang talking about you know it's it's so hard to be um you know pushed into a scenario where now it's the force of racism trying to get rid of me the other two women sat both sally cornbluth and the, and liz they're both white women why Why would it be different for her isn't that a strange way to end things
3: uh, you know i really don't know what her uh what her thoughts were on that all, all we know or what her what her comments were um i really can't comment on you know how she approached it other than what her actual words say i do think it's interesting that um you mentioned Kornbluth. and like i said that that's the mit portion of this that's the third university president that is still you know in her job that did testify she when asked um you know when she was talking at the hearing there was i thought there was a very interesting quote she said as an american as a jew and as a human being she said, "I abhor anti-Semitism, and my administration is combating it actively." Um She said that you know since October seventh, she said her campus communications have been crystal clear about the dangers of anti-Semitism, about the atrocity of the Hamas terror attack. Um, she seemed to have to have probably one of the most straightforward answers um, at the hearing, you know, and I, I thought it was very interesting that she she put it in the way she you know couched that was as an American and a Jew. Um,
0: these were her comments. Yeah, that's interesting. You're right. Tanya, there was several articles that at least at some point mentioned the fact that former President Obama had some role in either helping uh, Claudia Gay get the job in the first place or lobbied for her to stay. And maybe that was in the early stages prior to the plagiarism things. What is the, your notion of that? I mean, I'm sure you've seen that to a degree too.
3: I mean, I'd, Honestly, I I don't really have a notion on it. <laughs> um, I am a reporter, so I stick to the facts of things. I'm really not sure what to what to draw from that editorially.
0: But that was okay, so maybe I asked the the question the wrong way. But Obama did play a role in helping her secure the position and then also kind of lobbied for her to stay, isn't that true?
3: I I really don't know what lobbying he did, to be honest with you. Um what I've been basically covering is the fallout from the hearing, um, these these three uh, you know these three presidents of these universities um, and you know kind of where all all the things have been have been coming from I know that she had a lot of support I don't know if President Obama was was you know was among those I do like I said I do know that as I say as I said before there were hundreds of faculty members and and students alike that did not want to see her go um, you know and and some you know, apparently who to members of the media yesterday after she resigned who still didn't want the year ago sure. um, all but, right well, tanya,
0: yeah. listen, we appreciate the update i know that I sometimes sure. i ask the question that as a reporter you're right you don't have to give a notion of that it is a complicated <laughs> uh, a complicated web and we'll see how it, it falls out with uh, miss cornbluth um kind of last in line and and how it goes from there thanks again tanya appreciate it dave sure. when we thanks. when we talk about this scenario as outsiders, right? Neither of us would have ever in a million years got into Harvard. I can't imagine what it would be like to spend all that money and find out that the president of the of the the one of the finest institutions in the in the country not only has a lot of problems with kind of this separating of free speech versus what their progressive agenda is. and they're not very shameful about their progressive agenda, but if I was a student there and I found out that the person at the absolute tip of the spear had really not, been vetted formerly to the degree that she should have. I'd be mad, wouldn't
1: you? 100%. 100%. I agree with you. It's uh I also um had no aspirations of ever getting into Harvard, but uh I would assume that uh yeah, that yeah, um I don't know. yeah.
0: That I, kind of stuff might be the most overblown um tuition bill you could ever get. But there's been, you know, years and years and years worth of arguing about know Whether or not the affirmative action side of things and and the racial equality in terms of their admissions process makes any sense, this has got to make them look silly on the national level. I just don't know. We'll be back with Marie in about four minutes. Well, it's time to welcome in the bell of the ball, Marie, WJR's Uh senior news analyst. I like that. I know you do. I got to be sweet to you because I know who really pulls the strings over.
5: there. (laughs) I don't think so, but... (laughs) <laughs> hey, what's
0: this? What this is a crazy story. Thousands are getting sixteen hundred dollars a piece because of a fraud lawsuit from over a decade ago. Br- bring us up to speed. What's the story?
5: Yeah, and I I know you'll you'll love this when you hear that the cause of all this was. A computer error. So this lawsuit is called Bowserman versus Michigan's Unemployment Agency, is awaiting a judge's approval, which should come later this month. It was filed in 2015 after nearly forty thousand residents were accused of fraud by a state computer system that operated without human supervision and had an error rate as high as ninety-three percent. The lawsuit settlement of $20 million was approved by the state's court of claims a year ago. The computer system is called the Michigan Integrated Data Automated System, and it was implemented by former Governor Rick Snyder. Claimants were given quadruple penalties. They were subjected to aggressive collection techniques. Many had their wages garnished and their income tax refunds seized. Some people even had to file for personal bankruptcy after they were accused of this fraud multiple lawsuits have been filed against the state's UIA because of this system. Some of the claimants were awarded extra money from this particular um, lawsuit because of a hardship, uh, out of the hardship fund, and they're going to receive more than $4,000 when this settlement is approved. The attorneys representing the plaintiffs have requested a fee of $6.6 million. And if you're wondering, the reason not all 40,000 claimants were included in this class list. It stems from a Michigan Supreme Court decision that limited who could sue based on timing and on when the harm was done. And one last thing, Chris, there will be a fairness hearing on January 29th in the Michigan Court of Claims where members of the class can voice their support or their opposition to this settlement. So they still have time to talk, uh, give their Opinions publicly on how they feel about all this.
0: I have so many follow-up questions, <laughs> and, I, and I always tend to do this to put you in a position where you'd have to research it to find out. But sixteen hundred dollars, Marie, to me, does not sound like a lot of money. Mm-hmm. If someone
6: accused me of
0: fraud years ago, levied my wages, seized any of my income tax returns, mm-hmm. so on and so forth, so twenty million dollars is not a very big settlement. But even divided amongst that many people, doesn't seem to equal sixteen hundred it seems kind of meager if the mistake is that obvious. Am I wrong?
5: Right. And uh, well, that's my personal opinion looking at this. Um, I don't know why they concluded that that was the the amount that was going to be settled upon. I, you know, these things are decided in court. They're decided by judges. They hear evidence. That's how they come upon these numbers for settlements. I agree with you. Sixteen hundred dollars when I first saw the number, I thought it, you know, well, I look like a big number when you think about a lawsuit with a big class, but not really when you think about what these people went through. They they had ruined reputations in some cases. Oh, yeah.
0: Can you imagine? And the, the collection techniques alone are enough to cause yes. so much anxiety and worry and the disruption of normal you know ability to pay bills. And many of these people, you think about the average person who files for unemployment income, It's usually because they're in a hard spot. Is there some abuse of that? Sure. Is there some leniency in the rules that probably shouldn't be there? Yeah, of course. But those average people who are filing for unemployment, they don't have a lot of extra uh, gas in the tank to go buy groceries and buy fuel and get their families to continue on. So they were already in a hard spot. And then they got collected against involuntarily just based on pain, suffering, anxiety alone. If they were filing as a single claimant, you think they'd have a much bigger case than $1,600
5: exactly and what was very interesting about was the about this was that they knew the error rate on this was 93%. I don't know when they knew it, but they did know that. And the other thing was that this all ran without computer supervision. In other words, most big computer systems have humans that oversee what is going into what in data is being inputted and what's coming out. Well, apparently they didn't have that in this case, which um is is quite sure. interesting and this has been written about by the way on the national uh, level as well um the uh, the atlantic did a big article on this about three years ago so this is this is uh, a system that's been called out nationally as well
0: I remember and this was a this was a system that was instituted under the snyder administration yes. right so this mm-hmm. is not you know, when you first see that article it's almost impossible not to let your mind slip to COVID because there was so many unemployment claims at a rate that they just never had anticipated. The infrastructure wasn't there. And, you know, as, as an oppositional theory, you look at how much money was given out in, with PPE. I had this conversation with a friend of mine mm-hmm. earlier and it's, it's remarkable to be offered so much PPE money. I mean, I know people between the two different funds, the name is slipping me on the other one. I mean, in many cases, tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to business owners with very little, collected in terms of what is meritorious and what isn't. Do I deserve this money? Should I be getting this money? How about lost revenue? So on and so forth. I would be scared on that side of things. If down the line, they figure out, you know what, you shouldn't have gotten that money. And because everyone was in such a hurry and we had this big bucket of funds from the feds, are you going to come after me later and say that that was fraud? I know that the stories aren't internally connected to to the highest degree, but I mean, $1,600 a piece for people who were essentially called fraudulent and went after by the state seems petulant to me. It should be far more.
5: Well, it, um, it does not seem like enough to me either. And I'm sure at this meeting uh, at the court of claims, when the uh, class members will be able to come in and tell, you know, give a piece of their mind on how they feel about this, I'm sure they're going to express, uh, those feelings as well and it'll it'll just be remain to be seen now we are still awaiting though a judge's approval on this uh, it should come but you know it isn't quite quite done yet but it should be coming What what is that
3: meeting Marie?
5: uh is uh january 29th for the claimants. January 29th. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah interesting so that'll i'm be, sure we'll have some real. news on that <laughs> Yeah, how that all shakes out. But you know what they should? If the state is doing what they should be doing, then they should own up to this if it was that big of a mistake and be as generous as possible. They got an extra what 7 and a quarter billion dollars because of COVID funding and they were talking about potentially putting that into education in terms of the of the underfunding of teacher pensions and then potentially some of the road projects, but this kind of thing if you hurt your citizens first, especially the citizens who are not in a position for triumph, anyway. I mean, they don't have the resources to go grab an attorney and say, "Look, this has been wrongly levied towards me, and now they're taking my wages and they're seizing my assets, and so on and so forth." You can't do that. No, and this should be priority one.
5: Absolutely. They they and and these, as you said at the very beginning, these are people who, uh, for the most part, were working people, uh, people who were trying to go to school and work at the same time, and these are the people that. Really suffered the most in all this. They had a case of a woman who was uh, going to school full time because the uh, job she had as a cleaning woman, the company closed. So she had received some unemployment benefits from them. And then she gets this letter saying, Oh, by the way, you owe us $13,000. Well, yeah. she didn't have that money. She was trying to sure. go to school to better herself to get a better job. So, yeah. and there are it's, hundreds it's, of it's stories like that.
0: Right. And I know people who have bought second homes and And incredible toys with PPE money that really was awarded to them because the country was in a wild spot and they didn't know how to deal with it. And there was very little to prove that this was something that I deserved. And these folks on the other end of the spectrum, many of whom are barely making ends meet, were villainized for something that really was a computer error.
2: Come
5: Yes,
0: we can do better. We should demand more of our leaders, both the Republican leadership and the Democrat leadership over that. What eleven-year span essentially? When did this actually start? It was thirteen.
5: And f- twenty fifteen was when the uh, uh, when the lawsuit first was filed, and I think it happened uh, two to four years before then. So this has right. been going on a while.
0: Good grief! Yeah, some of these people probably aren't even alive anymore.
5: Yeah. Exactly.
0: Sad stuff. Tanya, thanks for the story. That's a really interesting one. We'll have to keep tabs on that as we go. Uh, Dave Rieger, we got to get these phone lines back open. I know that a couple people have already called in 800-859-0957. If you feel like these new gun control measures are completely overshooting the goalpost, I'd like to hear from you. I'm kind of center right on this issue, but let's debate it a little bit. Let's hear from you back in just a few. Well, look, it's noteworthy to point out that this morning the Michigan Capitol was evacuated due to an emailed threat. And at the time being now, Michigan State Police are sweeping the building looking for something. You have to assume it was some kind of bomb threat, I would think, if they're really going through a a full sweep. So let's just cross our fingers and pray for them that there is nothing uh, afoot. Uh, of our leadership here in Michigan, that would be a scary thing. This this gun controversy, the, the 2024 gun laws that have been enacted in so many states, is a fairly mild step in some ways towards better gun control, I suppose, but also is seen as a very, very slippery slope for those people who are Second Amendment rights people. And there's a lot of opinions on this. We will have Evan Brown on at 118 after the break. And uh, he'll bring us up to speed on at least the logistics of this and the news. But let's go out to the phones. Uh, line one up, Rob in and, and Roseville. What's going on, Rob? What do you have to say?
6: Yeah, um, although it was a myopic comment, I want to take issue with the comment you made about whether or not the Oxford shooter's Uh, uh, the the victim's families would have liked for his parents to have recognized that their child had a problem. Not only did they not recognize it, they weren't about to turn him in. And when the principal told them to take their son home, the principal was wrong in allowing the kid to stay at the school. They had made a decision. They should have stuck with it. That was the single point at which everything diverged and those kids got killed. I've been teaching shooting since 1970 for over 50 years now, and I have studied gunfights for a long time. Your concept that these supposedly high-capacity magazines, and most of them are not high-capacity, they are actually the capacity they're designed to be, but that's semantics. Mm -hmm. Um, Gunfights are something that people get into when they defend themselves. And taking away people's ability to defend themselves is far worse than your hope that that you will save a single life because you're going to take more from those who can't defend themselves.
0: Well, yeah, good call, Rob. I think we actually agree on more than we disagree on. And you're right, myopic myopic in terms of the view of the Oxford shooter, his parents were not only clearly not – super responsible but they may have aided him to some degree and so maybe that's a bad example but my point was that the 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 parents of the dead kids at oxford would love to have had a scenario where the weapons were removed from that guy's possession and that that example i think could be used in almost all of these cases so you're not wrong the semantics part is interesting because as a shooter myself and as owner of many many guns including a lot of ar style like you know what is now referred to incorrectly as assault rifles. I use them for plenty of sport shooting and I don't think that they're actually the problem. I don't think you do either. Most of the crimes that we see committed nationwide that are crimes that we would hope would be prevented are handgun crimes, not assault rifle crimes. Would you agree with that?
6: I do agree with that. And I, like I say, I've been doing this a long, long time. I, 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 well, really
0: regardless, regardless of how long you've been teaching, I think everybody yeah. recognizes that no one wants to see innocent people murdered because someone else That's has true. a mental illness of any kind. But I think this is one of those rare areas where we could concede to some degree that much of the law that is on the books that allows us as American citizens the right to defend ourselves against one another, against a tyrannical government, should one ever occur, to defend our homes, they don't require submachine guns. They don't require necessarily 25, five, five, six magazines. If I want to, I can have two or three loaded, you know, 10 bullet magazines at the ready. So some of these laws that sound like a slippery slope to me at the stage that I'm at in life seem like, you know what, fine, throw them a bone, allow them to eliminate some of these things because 99% of the population are not going to run around with an armor light or an AK 47 frame for a semi-automatic rifle. I just think at some point you got to give in to a degree to stem the tide. Am I totally wrong? Yes or no.
6: I I will leave you with one point. However, one okay. historical analog. You don't feed the wolves. All they do is come back for more.
0: Okay. All right. Fine. All
6: right. Please. Have a yeah, good all right. one.
0: All right. Thanks. Brett out in Pontiac. Oh. What's going on? bud?
6: Yeah. Hi. Um, <clears throat> I think that when the Second Amendment was written, the farmer's musket and the soldier's musket was the same dang gun. Um, If I can afford to have an Abrams tank in my backyard, I should be be allowed to have one. That's the letter of the law. That is the um, uh, meaning of shall not be infringed. there was a uh, passage in uh, Tombstone where the sheriff said, "We're not saying you can't have a gun. We're saying you just can't have a gun in town. No, that's a violation of my constitutional right. I should be able to purchase uh, what anything the military has in well, my humble." I,
0: so I, I like the I like the the tenor at which you brought the point. Brett, I don't think that, you know, look, my dad used to quote movies all the time from the pulpit. I'm not a fan of quoting movies because that's drama. It's supposed to entertain, I get where your point is coming from. Although I think our military is there to defend us. And if someone's going to defend me, if my life is on the line, I would like them to be able to, to let loose as many bullets as possible in the shortest time frame so that the people don't come get me. But we're at a weird stage where now people are buying things, and not only the things themselves, but when you look into the bump stocks and the strange capacity magazines that allow for ridiculous amounts of ammunition to be fired, the the argument that we're doing this because hunters use them is ridiculous. Hunters shoot one or two bullets at at a deer. Right. The argument that the military needs them because they could have, and this is, you know, as a, as a gun guy myself, I know that if you're shooting, you don't shoot once. If, if I have an intruder, I'm going to shoot five, six times at the center of mass because that's what takes you down. We're not in the movies where one bullet drops them to the floor, right? Hey. But I can have right. very high-powered things that are very, very effective without taking it to an extreme and I think that's what we need. If you're a conservative person that's that rides on the side of the second amendment, at some point you have to give in and say, okay, fine. Let's limit the really high capacity stuff. Let's throw them a bone and hope this goes away at least for a while. It's an interesting topic. I don't think anyone's ever going to win. Good stuff. What Mike Clinton Town- Sorry about that. Mike out in Clinton Township. What's happening, bud?
2: Hi. Um, I've been shooting since I was, eight years old, I'm 69, Um, I was in the Marine Corps and what we did with the M16s was we taped one magazine to the other and you just simply flip them, you know, use some duct tape. So, you know, uh, high capacity magazine, you can have 10 round magazine with one tape to another and have a 20 round magazine. Sure. And, you know, and anybody, most people that talk about this don't understand they they have no clue because they don't shoot. And people deer hunting with those guns, uh, I see them you know all the time in the field because they're light, easy to carry, easy yep. to clean, take apart. Um, it's just you know they're not going to ban them. Uh, they, they can ban them, but people are still they have them. They're out there. What are they going to do with all the guns? Well, I
0: think most of the laws. Look, Mike, it's a great that's a great call. People are always going to find a way to Jimmy rig something like you just pointed out with the taping together of the magazines. I think that we have to be cognizant of the fact now in the sensitivities that we have with the purveyance of mental illness and the lack of control on behalf of parents and local police departments who have no way of determining who's a threat and who's not. And oftentimes when somebody ended up doing something incredibly violent, you look back and go, gosh, this could have been prevented. And it could have been prevented at the, School level, or at the at the parental level, not necessarily the gun control level. But my question is still going to be: This is where I side with the people who are anti-gun on this particular thing. Does anybody in regular society need a semi-automatic, you know, armor light type AK-47, AR-style rifle that can shoot thirty or forty bullets in normal society? I think the reasonable answer is no. But you're not going to take my pistol away. You're not going to take my hunting rifle away that doesn't make me un-American. i think we got to throw him a bone we'll get back to this after the break 800 859 0957 welcome back in at the turn of the hour 50 yard line as i have been saying this is a, you know as you do more radio you start to learn sometimes uh, about the timing of these things and i don't want to turn this entire show an hour for the remainder of the show into a gun control versus, you know, gun rights type of conversation. Uh, Clearly, I have a kind of center right opinion on a lot of this. And it is not popular. I get that my job on the radio when I do it, hopefully is to facilitate conversation kindly, respectfully amongst all of us so that we can learn from one another. Sometimes I succeeded that uh, hopefully wildly other times I fail at it bringing this topic up early has now clogged the phone lines, Dave Rager. I'm not sure that we've had this kind of response to anything. And we have other things we wanted to get to today. How are we going to get to all of it?
1: Yeah, you just got to, uh, the people have spoken. They want to uh, talk about uh, not only gun law, but the gun rights, but also the, I think really the, the high capacity uh, magazines. So, sure. uh, yeah.
0: Look, you know, up- Evan Brown's coming on from Fox to actually go through the logistics of the new law. Some of the, the laws I read through this morning, I thought were rather tame. Other ones I thought were a bit of an overreach. I just had, I'll I'll tell you, I had a, a good client of mine, a guy that I really respect and enjoy his company thoroughly, who, who was texting me saying, look, you're wrong on this, man. That's like the essence of saying, okay, you have a fancy car with a really powerful engine. You know, you enjoy having that. What if I was to tell you, you could only drive around a Ford Escort every day or a Ford Focus or whatever the example was. It's a good analogy. Why should the government be able to ever tell me what I can have in my garage if I want something faster than the speed limit, granted I'm not supposed to be going over the speed limit? Don't I have a right to own that? I would say yes, I think he's right in that respect, but at the same time my my fancy high powered car is not necessarily killing people more than a Ford Focus might kill people I so.
5: Mean, <laughs> But the reality is, this is what
0: is funny about this whole conversation. You could limit high-capacity magazines, and you could take away all these AR-style rifles. By the way, the term assault rifle is total nonsense. There's no such thing as an assault rifle. Every single gun ever manufactured is designed for assault. If it's used, you you can have it in your back pocket. You can have it up above your fireplace. It's there to defend you. But when you indeed use it, it is intended for assault. Whether that's on a deer. Or a human being who intends you to harm. Armor light rifles, the original AR rifles, just a frame. A semi automatic rifle is a semi automatic rifle. I okay, will, just because it looks scary because it's in the movies doesn't make it any more dangerous than the 308 that you used to go hunting 50 years ago.
1: You bring up a great point because uh, movies and television and video games present a uh, way to shoot a firearm in a different way than is reality. And I learned that when. I went to the shooting range and had a just a just a lineup of guns. My uh, a friend of mine I'm, and just gave me a lineup of guns and then I found out that um I did I rarely rarely hit the target. And we were we were not that far away. Maybe I don't know what the shooting range, I don't know exactly exactly how far we were, but when we when we brought that piece of paper up to the to the window we i rarely and it's because of the kickback it's because of the weight of the gun it's because i mean it was a lot harder i mean no it was a lot harder than i thought it would be
0: oh you want well-trained people one of the biggest problems we have with weapons in this country is that most people who actually own them are not trained enough and even if they were trained enough originally they don't do it on a regular enough basis to be good at it i do which is really interesting because i'm taking kind of an oppositional approach to a lot of this and i know we got a lot of texts. okay what's floating around out there
1: that you want to get to so we had uh, this one text here that said that I thought was pretty good and it was, I'm, now I've, now the screen has flipped on me, but it was basically about somebody who had taken a class, a, uh, a CCW class, and it was about just having one, uh, you're taught that the gun, one bullet can do as much damage as, you know, having a high capacity if, you know, shot the right way.
0: Yeah, well, of course. I mean, that goes without saying, just like the law in California now that's going into effect, that's that's adding to the list of places that concealed carriers can't take a gun. Like in Michigan, with my concealed, I can't go and take it into a church. I can't take it into a bar or like you can take it into a restaurant, but you're not supposed to take it into a place that predominantly serves alcohol because, you know, bad things happen when too many people are drinking and so on and so forth. There's always going to schools, churches, bars. They're adding to those lists. Is that necessarily a bad thing? I don't know.
1: Right. It, what it, here's what I, I found. I, I found it. He says it was stated, he, this gentleman is Rod from our good friend, Rod from Plymouth. He says he took some CCW classes. It was stated that in a firefight, only one bullet usually hits the mark or the target. If you have the mental capacity to own a gun, you must also have the mental capacity to own a high capacity magazine.
0: Okay. Interesting take. This is the irony. Like I was going to say this earlier, the irony of this whole thing is they could do away with high capacity magazines and AR style rifles, so on and so forth that you have just as much gun violence, just as many mass shootings, because most of them, the the lion's share are committed with handguns and you can't take away people's right to use handguns. That's why I say the throw them a bone thing almost doesn't matter. Like I already have my rifles. They can't take them away. They're not going to come take them away from me. They might change my ability to go buy them but I don't think they're being used for hunting. And I don't think you need 25 bullets in a magazine to go deer hunting or target shooting it can take 10 seconds and reload. Let's get out to Marty and Fenton. What's going on, Marty?
1: Actually, Marty, uh, Marty's gone. You want to go to Bob and Brighton. All right, let's go to Bob and Brighton hometown. What's up, Bob? Hi,
2: I just have a quick question for you. If they were to ban uh, ARs and high capacity magazines, do you think that the progressives would agree to a second, Part of that law that said there would be no incremental restrictions for 10 years?
0: I don't know. I, th- I suppose that depends on the framework of the bill. Look, most of the Republican people, including the candidates for president, have all stuck to their guns and say, we don't have a gun problem in this country. We have a mental health and mental illness problem in this country. I tend to agree, but I don't think that that changes the fact that there's got to be some measure at some point that starts to. To limit the ability to at least get the gun. If not, if you're going to buy one, how crazy can that gun be? Although I realize logistically many of these callers are right. That's not the actual problem. I actually agree with that wholeheartedly. How much can you limit the ability to uh, to incrementally change any amendment or any law that's put in? That's at the political level. And do they write those things with the end in mind? Or do they write those things with the temporary satiation of the electorate in mind? because that's usually what's going on. Dave, what other texts do we have in there? I know you had a couple rattling around you wanted me
1: to get to. Actually, uh, go to line one, Dion in Chelsea. I think he has an interesting point. All right, Dion, what's up?
6: Hey, how you doing? I, I agree with you on just almost everything you said, but I had a scenario. In most cases, when, when you have intruders, there's more than one, and you're saying it's okay for them to you know, carry a, people to have a pistol so each one of them have a full-size pistol so they're they have 15 to 17 rounds a piece and i have a ar with 30 rounds in it for home defense Mm -hmm. i just even the playing field on two intruders without that i'm way outgunned by those two
0: yeah i mean you're not wrong i i can't i can't find a flaw in your argument again i think this is one of those that there's got to be at some point a meeting of the minds between what is realistic and what is probable. And I don't think it's probable that most people are experiencing home invasions with multiple intruders with loaded weapons. Most home invaders who have weapons never actually deploy their weapons. Most mass shootings that are happening are not happening with AR style rifles. Although the, the scene in Vegas years ago with the bump stock on the rifle was a horrifically bad thing. And people will continue to jimmy rig. They're going to go on these 3D printers and make these ghost guns. They don't have serial numbers. The problem is not going away because of legislation. The Democrat party is trying to satiate the American mentality by saying, let's limit this. Let's look like we're doing something. And the Republican party has so much pressure from the NRA, from second amendment people that see that still as the most important piece of legislation that protects all the other pieces of legislation, that they're leaning on that. I think, to some degree, there's got to be a middle ground, right? Is Dion wrong? No, he's not wrong. I mean, good grief. I have five kids and a nice place to live. And if 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 two or three guys came into my house with loaded weapons, I'd want to have as many bullets as possible. But is that a likelihood? Are we ruling in favor of the majority of incidents? Because we can't on one hand say that's likely, but not look at the fact that most of our gun violence 90 plus percent of it is happening with kids in the inner city with handguns they're not hate crimes they're gang crimes and they could be controlled better it's a wild argument that no one's ever going to get to the bottom of and listen i am not dave rieger i am not a guy who thinks the second amendment is nonsense my musket comment before was only to the degree that the strange paradigm that we all have to live in is to decide did this make sense at the time? And was it intended by our founding fathers to be the statement forever and always, despite the evolution of things like guns that they never could have imagined in a million years? Never going to know that. Evan Brown after the break. Oh, welcome back in to our lively little show today. Quite a few calls on gun control measures, waiting periods, high capacity magazines, who should and who shouldn't have the right to tell you what you can own. On the other end of the line, we have Eben Brown, Fox News correspondent and WJR contributor. Eben, as we get into all these headlines about what gun control measures are installed now that it's January 1st has passed of 24 and some on February 1st of 24, what can you tell us about the laws that have been floated out there that are now suddenly active and what's changing in the key states?
7: Well, uh, that's a good question. There are a few different laws that have uh, uh, made headlines that have come into effect as of the first of the year and others that have come into effect because of uh, of court action or inaction, for that matter. Um, and uh, the, uh, the first one I'll, I'll uh, bring to your attention is in Illinois, where after the Highland Park uh, mass shooting at the July 4th parade, uh, the legislature and the governor signed into law a, uh, a registry for semi-automatic rifles, things like the AR-15 type of uh, rifles. And so people had uh, a lot of time to register with law enforcement their firearms. And now if they are not registered and they're discovered to be in possession of those firearms, they could be facing fines or even in, uh, you know, imprisonment. Uh, So that is um, that that's a big deal. Uh, You know, there are a number of states that have tried pushing gun control measures that would love to see registries such as this. Uh, And uh, and if it is to hold up in in Illinois, uh, then perhaps uh, other states might uh, might consider doing the same thing. Uh, The other big one is in California, where uh, the laws to uh, restrict where one can legally carry, even if permitted, uh, are now in effect and this law was created in a response to the supreme court overturning the laws in new york which new york had some very very strict uh concealed right. carry laws uh, and things that uh, were very specific to new york city uh that had been done away in the bruin case but uh, both new york and now california are trying to do workarounds. the california law which is now being allowed to take effect as per a, a circuit court of appeals ruling um uh, the, the law, like it prohibits the carrying of, of your firearm, uh, for instance, on certain sidewalks, even if you have a permit, even if you have a concealed uh, permit. So, um, again, these laws are designed to try to work around Supreme Court rulings that have uh, uh, ruled uh, in favor more of concealed carry rights than some states would allow or would like to allow. Uh, so the states are simply trying again to see if they can um, meander through the letters of those decisions and come up with the laws that they want that would prevent people from legally carrying.
0: Yeah, Evan, the whole thing is fascinating because clearly state by state, like as you pointed out, New York has been one of the, if not the strictest, unconcealed yeah. carry. I mean, you couldn't even get a concealed carry if, if you were retired police in New York. In California, there's when you said certain sidewalks, it was it supposed to be clearly marked somewhere? I mean how maybe you don't know this, but how would a person know when you know if they're walking great, down the sidewalk and they enter that area? how would you know that?
7: There may or may not be notices, but i I would allege uh, or um pose it here that the uh, the purpose of these laws is to make things difficult for you the the carrier to know which laws apply to you when and where there was a great tactic used by a number of state legislatures as well as uh, local governments in, in creating ordinances uh, in, a, in a different matter, having to do with animal cruelty and animal transportation. And so it made it impossible for circuses to operate their trains going from town to town with yeah. elephants because every time they crossed a the town uh, limit, a city limit, the laws changed about how the tra- about transporting the elephants. So they decided to do away with the elephants in their shows. Uh, because it just became too darn difficult, um right. you could say that they're trying to do the same thing now with some of these gun control measures that you know you could be uh in violation of law simply by crossing the street
0: yeah, and some of the some of the more tame ones include just longer waiting periods so if someone you know got themselves in a position where they were worked up about something, the hope is that if I have a ten day waiting period, maybe i 'm less worked up, less likely to hurt myself or somebody other you know somebody else because that dissipates Is there anything that is New under the sun here. We've seen laws in terms of the capacity of magazines, laws in terms of where you can and can't conceal carry, laws that have installed longer waiting periods. Is there anything that's a bit of an outlier or a unique approach to this at all, or is it all the same stuff?
7: Here's one. Uh, This seems to be a bit of a solution in search of a problem, I think. Uh, In Delaware, the the law took effect here that uh, you cannot have your firearm with you at a polling place. Uh, and uh, so, in, in, again, things are different state to state. There may be other states with this law. But if you can legally carry uh, concealed or open in some states, right, um, imagine yeah, yeah. you're told now all of a sudden you can't uh, uh, you, you can't bring your firearm into the polling place where you previously could have gone there. Uh, or you could have entered that building that's being used as a polling place on any other day and, and not have a problem. It creates confusion. Uh, and some people who are accustomed to carrying their firearm as just a normal part of what they carry with mm-hmm. them every day run the risk of inadvertently doing something illegal that's because all of a sudden it's illegal.
0: Yeah, been, and do you mean like a polling place that is used as a polling place, you know, every couple of years, or only during the polling itself? That's,
7: that's a great question. When when is it a polling place? You know, some people use. <laughs> Some people use some. Some towns might use a, a library. They could be using like an Elks Club lodge. I mean, these things are different, you know, depending on where you go and what's available in in the in the district uh, that's holding the voting, right? So. Um you know, what if any other day of the year that is a okay for you to have your concealed firearm or openly carried firearm again depending on the state? Uh and on that one day for that five minutes that you're gonna be there filling out a ballot, it's technically illegal and someone happens to, you know, notice it. How would they know if it's concealed anyway unless they're patting you down? I mean of course. it's you know, these only a few of these
0: crimes are uh, that when we see mass shootings are ever committed by someone who actually holds a concealed permit and they're just carrying because they want to. Those are typically the responsible types that aren't, <laughs> there aren't the culprits well, most, for these most mass shootings. Anyway. Most,
7: most mass shootings are are uh, conducted with uh, firearms that you couldn't conceal on your person. They're they're usually done with long guns. Um, uh, with okay. some some certain uh, uh, example, uh, some certain exceptions. Of course, Virginia Tech was was used with handguns. Um But most of the time, when people are talking about mass shootings, they get uh, very upset over the idea of semi automatic rifles uh Those are not the type of firearm you could really put in a shoulder holster underneath your jacket so uh yeah. that that's uh, you know again I think some of these laws are are put in as solutions in search of problems uh but on the other hand, if the people of the state genuinely want them, and that's who they voted for with the intent to create those laws, then I guess then they're in within their rights to do so, uh, but someone is certainly within their rights to take them to court, especially federal court, and say this runs counter to the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, and here's why, uh, and, and wait for a ruling.
0: Yeah, Evan, I guess in closing, the, the one thing that comes to mind is almost every one of these has challenges underway, appeals underway. Is there any time frame that they have to be heard in? I mean, I know that's a very broad question because there's so many of them at one time, but is there no, is
7: it not Not really? Go no, ahead. the in genuine generally what courts want is unless you have a very, really uh, compelling thing to say, look, when this law comes into effect, it's going to violate rights. And here's why, because we have precedent and, and previous rulings that demonstrate it. Um, that's one way for the court to hurry up and take the case. But oftentimes courts will tell you, listen you haven't been harmed by this law yet be harmed first and then you can sue meaning your right has to you know when the law comes into effect and you are told you can't have your firearm or whatever the law happens to be dealing with sure. it could be talking about candy canes um you know then you get to say my rights are violated i'm now suing this should be this law should be undone because it violates my rights under x y and z in the case of guns, we're talking often about the, the Second Amendment. Um, and, uh, and then the court hears the case. But there's no statute of limitations or anything like that. There shouldn't, or there normally okay. isn't. Anyway. All
0: right, Evan, thanks for filling us in as usual. Fascinating story. It gets everybody going. Um, there's a lot left to be interpreted. Dave Rieger, I know we still have calls and texts. You know, in terms of Michigan, as we continue to look at this topic, and I, I don't want it to dominate the entire day, but may, that may be, you know, too little, too late. Michigan's um, series of new changes is not really anything wild. They're giving tax rebates for people buying, or not tax rebates, but making the, the, the purchase of a gun safety device or, let's say, storage devices uh, tax-exempt. That's kind of interesting. Universal background checks and some of the, the red flag laws. And I think that's where people have the most distrust. I mean, how low is the burden of proof going to be for someone who wants to report me? Back after a quick break with calls and texts, 800-859-0957. Indeed. Thanks for listening. What a fiery conversation we have had over the last three segments. Lots and lots of calls, lots of texts. Evan Brown filling us in on some of the gun law changes. I just gave a little bit of of the insight into what is happening here in Michigan. I don't want to be remiss. Anybody who's waiting, we want to get to them. Steve and Adrian, what's going on, Steve?
4: Hi. Thank you for taking the call. Uh, Just two thoughts. As brilliant, and they were brilliant uh, as the founding fathers were, uh, the Second Amendment was written in a very broad fashion. I am not a legal scholar. I can't respond as to why that was, uh, but it is. How do you resolve that? I don't know. Maybe somebody needs to write a law that defines what those words mean, and then it can go into the court system, yes or no. My second thought is Evan Brown made the statement that, uh, you know, most long guns can't be concealed. Well, please don't ask me how I know this, but you can break an AR-style rifle and carry it in a backpack that is not much larger than the laptop carried into a school building. I hey, Steve. It. Thank you.
0: Steve, hold on. Stay with me, man. How do you know this? Yeah,
4: okay, no problem. I'm here. <laughs> how do I know this?
0: Yeah, it was a joke. You said, "Please don't ask pol- me." How I know okay. this. Look, I break okay. down my, my AR police. rifles too. Like it's, they can. Well, you're right. Okay. You're a hundred percent right. And look, Dave Rieger and 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 everybody back here in the in the studio. This is is a fun topic because there is no end in sight. There is no quantified way of saying here's what the Constitution meant. Steve's point is really interesting. If you think about it, it's so overly obvious, but you have to think a layer deeper. On one hand, did the Founding Fathers, did the did the Thomas Paines, for example, and the Benjamin Franklins and the John Adams, did they sit around and think to themselves, let's make a series of statements that should be good forever? I don't think so. I think they made a series of statements that were good for the time, but allowed for the writing of amendments especially if in the spirit of the constitution, they made sense, which is why we have the Supreme court. I I often envision this scenario rigor where you are able to bring back all of our founding fathers and you drop them in let's, you know, Detroit, Michigan, in the Metro area somewhere. And they have been gone for hundreds of years. And they look around at what we have at the cars and at the infrastructure and at the technology and a laptop and things like the internet and the guns that we have. And everything. And they say, wouldn't just the first thought be like, holy cow, you guys didn't write any new stuff? Like, we we wrote that 200, 300 years ago. Does that mean that the spirit of what they were writing was wrong? No. In fact, I think it was genius, a lot of it, including the Electoral College, which I definitely want to get into. We're not going to get to it today. We can tease it a little bit. But tomorrow, I want to do a whole segment or two on is the Electoral College... A totally antiquated methodology and if so how could or, or should we ch- try to change it at all but this this argument about gun control is never going to end if we're solely leaning on the second amendment cooler heads have to prevail to some degree and this is coming from a passionate gun owner and they're not taking mine away but i do see the merit on other sides of that argument dave what other texts were bouncing around in there that we
1: so- the irresponsible
0: We'll not get to.
1: So Marty was on hold and, and to, to talk to you, and he couldn't hold, but he texted. He said, uh, if the argument is a limited capacity should be the law to protect the public health and safety, then let's look at the precedent that we're setting. If consuming one and a half beers makes a person legally intoxicated, then perhaps six packs of beer should be outlawed and beer should not be sold in six packs. Same with cigarettes. If a pack a day presents a danger, then cigarettes should be limited to 10 per pack. The bottom line is the Constitution did not place any limits on gun ownership of our ammunitions. The uh, state, I think is what he meant to type here, has overreached into the citizens' rights.
0: Okay. It's a valid valid thing that he's mentioning. But we we have to be able to delineate consistently between my freedom as a human being, as an American citizen, and my freedom from the actions and behaviors of others. I have the right to buy six beers, 12 beers, 24 beers in a giant box, drink all them, and have my liver fall apart on me. I don't have the right to take that beer and shove it down Dave Rigger's throat. Because that's the argument at play here is, when does my ability to buy something start to infringe on the safety of others, especially in an environment as volatile as ours? We have a massive failure as a society in in identifying, finding, and helping the people who are mentally ill enough to want to kill innocent people for pleasure. So anything that enables them to do that in an easier clip should be looked at as potential legislative law. I don't think that's completely incoherent at all. In fact, I think it's rather level-headed. People are, my, my phone might explode with the amount of text that I've been getting while we're doing this segment. You want to talk electoral college, Dave, just to tease it for tomorrow?
1: Yeah, sure. We can uh, definitely uh, talk about that and how it might have affected the the last couple of elections.
0: It would be a bit of whiplash, right? We're going from gun law to electoral college. I want to have the conversation tomorrow because I think it's an interesting one. As we approach now caucus season and we're looking at all these electoral votes, I feel like. I am a B minus student of the electoral college, the election system itself. Every time we go through the process, I find myself watching the news going, Oh yeah, it's two seventy, you gotta get to two seventy. You know, how many total delegates are there? Which states are winner take all and which states are then, you know, divvied up into terms of that. Do you understand the electoral college well enough, do you feel? What what kind of student are you of how the system actually works?
1: You know, I am um, I think I could be better definitely with if i knew a little bit more about how everything kind of works with the electoral college as compared with the uh with the popular vote and how everything kind of uh it's kind of weird how you know they want you to uh you know to go out and vote and your vote counts and obviously with the popular vote but then some states have more um electoral votes than others and they're the, they're the you know the specific states when you watch how the election results coming in so probably could do a little yeah,
2: bit
0: what the state and the federal government for example they don't trust you and i chris albert and dave rigor correct to cast a vote because we're casting our vote but really what's happening is some electorate some delegate is going and casting it for us right and it's supposed to be in accordance with the wishes of the majority of the people in their district that kind of makes sense the whole system was really created so that you wouldn't have a scenario where the most densely populated areas so think for example of california and new york as two historically very liberal leaning Democrat areas are those people are so there those those areas are so densely populated with human beings with American citizens and some illegals for that matter but I mean with, with with people in general that if you didn't have an electoral system you wouldn't have for example smaller population states think of the Missouris the, think of the Arkansas think of the Wyomings they wouldn't really have much representation because surely on a popular vote they would lose and it would take away the campaigning effort from so many of these other states. Like if you're, if you're a politician and you're only going for popular vote, why would you ever campaign anywhere except Chicago, New York, Miami, Los Angeles, so on and so forth. You'd only go to the places that had the most bang for your buck. Does that shortchange the rest of the country?
1: It's a good question. I'm not no sure. I'm not sure I'm if, uh, I'm not sure if we have the answer for that.
0: So tomorrow I have uh, – I pulled out every poll I could find going back 10 years um, from from Gallup, from Pew, from Rasmussen. You know, the majority of Americans, especially on the Democrat-leaning side, but with registered Republicans too, they actually favor the popular vote. And right. Trump – we have to find the clip of when he said it because I'm not sure if it's before or after um, you know, his, his interruption with Hillary, but he actually said he believed in the popular vote too, and thought the system should be changed despite the fact that he won based on the electoral vote. Kind of interesting stuff. He'd have lost. I mean, he lost to Hillary by a million and a half. We'll get into it. Let's, let's ask Remlick what he thinks too. Back to Chris Remick after a few minutes, we'll sign off for the day. Okay. So here we are at the finish line on a Wednesday, lively show, good show, I think productive show. my, I, the greatest joy I take in doing this role is to be a facilitator of good conversation and hopefully respectful to everyone on both sides of all the matters. Fair enough. I think is the best way to, to end a conversation. I, I think Chris Renwick, if you're there already, uh, it's, it's time for Chris squared, if you will
8: love it. My favorite part of the
0: and, day. <laughs> oh, you don't have to say that just for my sake, but I love it. It's a, it's, it's like having a segment off talking to my buddy, Chris. Renwick. Yeah.
8: It's great, man. How's your listen, Christmas?
0: It was fine. You know, Christmas is a lot like being at Disney World or something. Like the best ride at Disney World is the is the ride back to the hotel. And <laughs> yeah. the best part of Christmas is when it's over and everyone goes home. Yeah. Yeah, I hear. There was, you. Some, there was some lousy lion stuff in there and mm. you know, my, my heart's breaking for other reasons, but I mean not for any of the reasons that it actually should. life is good to me. Good. Good. I made a rookie mistake today, man, and we had Tanya Powers on talking about Claudine Gay, you know, excusing herself while while playing the victim, which I thought was a riot. But um, I, I goofed up and I brought up the gun control topic earlier because we had a lot of open line time today and Evan Brown was coming on to to discuss some of the new laws going into effect. And that made the phone lines basically melt. And we probably mm-hmm. spent half the time talking about the gun control issue.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: So lesson learned. Not that it wasn't a good conversation. I can't <laughs> Listen, man, give me your take. I, I ride the middle on this probably in a sense theatrically because I think it is the best way to hear both sides of the conversation. I'm a gun owner. Mm-hmm. I have several AR-style rifles. Some of them are outfitted like deep sniper Marine Corps stuff. But I carry a handgun. I have one in the car. I have several throughout the house in, in biometric lock boxes. I don't want to not be a gun owner. But I also think that at some point you have to give in to a degree on the extra stuff, on the ghost guns, on the bump stocks, on the super high capacity magazines, on longer waiting periods, because if nothing else, it will stem the tide. And I understand the slippery slope of that. But I also think the Second Amendment was was written when everyone had a musket ball and wadding and they couldn't get off one shot in in 30 seconds, much less a 100 shots in two minutes. And when are we going to to come to a compromise that at least at least appeases those that have lost loved ones due to gun violence and they want to see stricter loss? What do well, you
8: think? see, it's a it's a great topic and, and it is the now age old question. Right. I mean, for for me, I think the I, I, you know, if you eat McDonald's every day for a year, you're going to balloon to be a thousand pounds. And you shouldn't say, well, geez, I had a lot easier of a time walking around when I didn't eat McDonald's every day. Well, of course, but that's not the situation you find yourself in. Like, I think we need to have a really hard, introspective look about what is causing these mass shootings at places like grocery stores, at places like schools. I think we need to stop looking back and saying, well, 30 years ago, we didn't have this issue. What's the difference? It doesn't matter what the difference is now. I mean, it, it may be helpful in trying to find a solution, but that's not the answer. The answer is, is we need to look ourselves in the mirror today and say, okay, well, what, what, what can we do? Because a lot of these laws that are being passed, like a lot of these red flag laws, I, 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 to me, you know, not every case, but in a lot of cases, it's not the answer. That's not the, the answer it it to me. Those are political talking points for politicians to take to voters and say, look what I did. Clap for me. No, 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 that that that's not that's not productive. That may be productive for politicians, but that's not productive for us. And so, oh, okay. so on that note, when we say look ourselves
0: in the mirror and your McDonald's analogy, which I understand, I think that lands fairly again, though, if I eat McDonald's, I'm only hurting me. Sure. If I go out and shoot in a, in a shopping mall or in a supermarket or in a park, I'm hurting slash killing innocent people that are their responsibility. Their burden is not mm-hmm. to, to make sure that my behavior is good, but they're the ones who are, are getting killed for it in these circumstances in their extreme circumstances. So really what you're saying is the same thing that I've been saying. What is the decline in the stability of mental health in adolescent and young adult mental health specifically when it comes to the mass shooting issue that we as a society should be demanding we have better aptitude in finding out and better treatment for, because that's the real problem, despite Correct. the fact that the instrument being used is the same instrument that, that's
8: being talked about. Yeah, it, it, to me, what what is the root cause of the problem now? And until we answer that, it, it's it's very difficult to say, well, this is the answer, this is the answer, this is the way we need to go. It, it's until we really do a, a hard look into what's causing it, I don't know that we're we're able to 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 find the solution. So you know, yeah, I think longer person. waiting periods. I think that is a very realistic and valid option, and and I think that would that would it might take some coaxing from from a lot of those that that are fervent Second Amendment supporters. But again, it's not like you're you're being told no. Um, right. I, I think there are a lot of of ways to do it, but we just haven't done it yet.
0: I think you have to also separate sadness on someone else's behalf from from culpability for others when you get into the the statistics and how many of these are suicides i feel bad that someone was so distraught someone felt so helpless and hopeless that they that they killed themselves especially with a gun in this particular instance but i think that that's a separate conversation from sure Nashville, where you're just going out and killing people yeah. like i don't want to be cold-hearted and say i care less about someone committing suicide but i do I don't think killing, you know, 10, 15 innocent people in a park, little kids, so on and so forth, is the same thing as as in terms of creating laws and legislation around suicide.
8: Well, I I don't think they're they don't I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive. I think you can feel bad for people that are suffering from mental illnesses that that make that that horrific decision to take their own life and, and alter the lives of people that they love and people that love them. But but also try to find solutions that keep those little kids safe, that keep people in that are just trying to pick out, you know, some some sure. strawberries at a grocery store safe. Um, Look, a, I, lot of these,
0: a lot of these topics, whether it's the, the transgender thing or gun control, gun control as a byproduct of mass shootings, almost all these things boil back to mental illness and mental health. Mm -hmm. And that, that is the one thing as a society, we should be looking ourselves in the mirror and go, how can we identify this earlier and treat it and not be super sensitive to everybody's feelings? And we can talk about that more, you know, especially the transgender topic. I'm going to get into that a little bit tomorrow. Hey, tell me before we get into your, um, you know, your bevy of menu for the day, Mm -hmm. tell me Mm -hmm. what you think about the electoral college. Should we get rid of it? Yes or no? No. Okay. Why not?
8: I, I, I still believe that when you look at where the majority of people are, and, and the population is centered in this country it would disenfranchise voters all across the country in little places like Idaho or Montana or the Dakotas um it, it, you would you would essentially be looking at the 10 largest states in the country Michigan being one of them it, to decide the presidency and i i i still think the electoral college has an incredible value and i no i would not eliminate the electoral college
0: So it's interesting that, you know, it's when you look back and you say, geez, you know, this is it's hilarious to to a degree that we look back at something like the Second Amendment. We talk about gun Mm -hmm. control and say, please, some of these laws were short sighted. They wouldn't have possibly known the evolution of the instruments that could be used now. That's why the law is not really relevant. When You look back 300 years at the creation of the Electoral College. It's it's borderline genius yep. in a lot of ways, although it has failed us and certainly failed some politicians at other times. But how many times has there been a popular vote that didn't coincide with the electoral think It's six times. Mm-hmm.
8: That sounds about right. I mean, even in the last few, f- few cycles, uh, well, th- that really, remains true.
0: Trump lost the popular vote to Hillary. Yep. And then he lost it again, essentially to Biden. But he also lost the Electoral College Correct. to Biden too right? didn't, didn't, didn't uh
8: george w lose the the popular vote too in both uh, elections in
0: the in the al gore right, scenario
8: right hanging chads yep, so. i yep. think that
0: one was so close that it would there was that's why there was a lot of recounts not just because of the chads but because it was ridiculously close in this but that is also i think one of the things that makes it so interesting is when you get into the flaws and i did this i started this the other day and boy i found myself in a rabbit hole the biggest real flaw with the electoral college System now is the fact that the swing states are all that really matters, mm-hmm. which is a super interesting argument because you would think at this point there there would be a way to have a hybrid of the two that assigned merit and only defaulted to one of the other in a in a tiebreak scenario. Like if you're only going to Michigan, Pennsylvania, so on and so forth, because that's what are this. I mean, everyone knows California is going to go Democrat,
8: mm-hmm.
0: New York's going to go Democrat, mm-hmm. Indiana's mm-hmm. going to go Republican. These are almost like foregone conclusions. They don't need to campaign there. They don't need to spend as much money there, so on and so forth. It's literally, it's a shoe in
8: But I so think that have, was one of the reasons why Hillary lost in Michigan in 2016. I mean, it, Debbie Dingell, I remember her telling me back during that, that race that Donald Trump's going to win this state because she's not coming here. And when you oh, take these states for granted, you know, we'll we'll bite you in the butt sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have, we'll have some fun with it because
0: on, on the whole, according to Pew, according to Gallup and others, the majority of the country is still now in favor of a popular vote versus the electoral college. Is that because of a lack of understanding? We'll get into it tomorrow. I hope you have a fabulous show today. Thanks, man. Hopefully, we'll you we'll talk little-
8: tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow. Yeah, man. Okay. Sounds good.
0: All right, pal. Have fun.